Welcome to the Winning Move Podcast. I'm your host, Stratton Brown. I interview successful entrepreneurs from around the world to see what moves they've made in their lives to get successful and more importantly, stay successful. I'm here to make sure you can create a better life for you and your family. Let's tune in. Welcome to the Winning Move Podcast. I'm your host, Stratton Brown. We have a dope guest on today, my friend, Michael Burns. What's going on, bro? What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm about to go to Salt Lake and you're about to go to Mexico. Yeah, but I'll be back and uh, we'll hook up. It's been mild this year, bro. No snow. No snow out there at all? No, none. No, we had a little bit a few weeks ago, but... Um... We live up on the east bench, and I was just walking yeah. yesterday, and I was like, "We have no snow. It's not good." So, well, um, so let's start off, bro. Where are you from? I don't. Nobody's gonna know except for people here in Fresno where you're from. Shit, yeah, Tehachapi, California, baby. Probably the only people around that area might have heard of it, but uh, well, you know where Tehachapi is. But it's about an hour and a half north of LA, about an hour and a half inland. It's a real small town. Had to drive 20 minutes to get to school. Probably, I don't know, 20,000 people live there. Parents had a business, so I kind of grew up, and uh, that's where I'm from. And I went from Cali to Bakersfield, tried junior college for like a semester. That then wasn't my jam. And then I went from Bakersfield up to Portland, and then I've uh, been out in Utah ever since, so about 10 years. What were you doing in Portland again? You were doing loans, right? No, I was doing um, inside sales for the nursery business. So I was yeah, plants. Bro, talk about that because you were a savage. Yeah, no, I did good with it. So I grew up in Tehachapi. My dad, my parents had a garden center, like a nursery and landscape company. So I grew up around that. And then um, when I was, uh, you know, college wasn't my thing. I was just trying to figure out how can I make as much money as I can as quick as I can. So I, I got into the wholesale side of the nursery business, which is, you know, what, what I grew up in. And my grandpa was kind of like a legendary sales guy at this company called Monrovia. And Monrovia would be like the Microsoft of the nursery world. So okay. they actually have a huge nursery in Visalia, close to you. They've got okay. like 800 acres down there. So um, started doing inside sales there and just connected with it. And I was like 19. I sold 2.2 million that first year. And kind of kicked ass at it. And I did the inside sales thing for two years for them. But I was inside sales supporting the outside sales reps in their territories. And the guys there would pretty much die in their territory. So like spots didn't open up very often. Uh and, um, so I did that for a few years, realized I wasn't going to get a territory. So then I, um, I quit and just kind of went out on my own as a broker. And that's how I ended up in Utah. And so you were a nursery broker in Utah? Yeah, so I pretty much had to deal with this big nursery in Oregon and another one in um, Washington. So I had exclusive rights to sell their product in British Columbia and Alberta, Canada. And then I had like Wyoming, Montana, Oklahoma, Idaho, um, Eastern Washington, Utah, and North Texas was my territory. So Utah was kind of in the middle of all that. So I moved out here and then uh, just hit the road. I started with zero customers and I'd just be out on the road for like two weeks at a time. I'd go to a city, print off all the nurseries off of Google. And then I just hit them one by one cold call in with like a photo album of my plants and a catalog. And it was just hustling, man. And I did that for like four years, built my territory up to about 500,000 in sales. 
and then got into real estate. What made you want to get into real estate instead of doing that? Um, so when I, my, when I was about a sophomore in high school, my dad sold our nursery and he took the money that, um, he made selling the business and he bought like 15 different lots where we lived. And, um, he partnered with a guy that we had known for a long time. That was a general contractor and a landscape contractor. So like my dad brought the lot and then my dad funded all the money for, to build the home. And then this guy, he would execute building the house. So they partnered on him. And they were doing that like 2005 or six to 2008. And I just saw them make a bunch of money doing that. They sold their last home, right? As things were like going oh. down. But at the time I'm like 18, you know, so like doing real estate yeah. didn't seem, it's like, that seems cool. You can make a bunch of money, but it wasn't real that I could do that. So that's yeah. when I first got interested in real estate. And then I was on the road all the time. So I spent like enough days on the calendar to fill about six months on on the road, traveling, building, doing my sell shit. And uh, my brother hit me up and asked if I was going to be in town that weekend. And if I wanted to go to a real estate house flipping workshop, it was Dean Graziosi uh, was in town. So we went to that workshop, decided we wanted to get into that. So fast forward, it took us like a year and 94 offers. And then we got our first deal, flipped that house, made like 24 grand, thought I had shit figured out and we had arrived. So I, I literally walked away from everything, like my whole broker business and head first in the real estate. <laughs> did you, you did get on your second one or did you ask kicked? I uh, got our ass kicked on our second deal. We lost 48,500 bucks. <laughs> and on our first deal, everything went wrong too, man. Like the market's the only thing that saved us. It was in 2000. Our first deal was 2012. So, um, like hired a bad contractor, he ended up having to fire him. Then he placed a faulty lien on the property and learned about the whole FHA appraisal thing when you're selling it for certain things and inside of certain timelines and, um, like everything went wrong, but we ended up making 24 grand on that deal. We probably should have broke even, but the market was working yeah. in our favor. So we made 24 G's on that house. And before we finished that one, we had bought the second one which at the time it had an ARV of about 500 in Salt Lake. And back then that'd be equivalent to like a million dollar house now. So yeah. I had no business at all doing that deal. Like someone should have told me like, bro, no, this is not for you, you know? So, but if I were to go back now, we probably would have made 50 instead of lost 50. But you know, you just you learn as you go. <laughs> okay. And so we got that. And then what, what did your progression look like until you got to like 40, homes a year because i'm when i first got into real estate i met you and then at some point in time everybody was freaking out about the crash and you were one of the only people like responded to me as a who was a buyer in utah because i got some random nice ass house in salt lake um when like the avenues you know like, bro i don't want to touch out the 10 foot pole with the way the market is right now i'm out yeah like you responded to me right away You're like nope it may be but it's not for me yeah i remember that <laughs> you came to the ria and i was like oh yeah. you got this out of state dude coming in wanting the wholesale um so what was your question sorry i lost you there what was your progression like after those two deals like did when did you actually start hitting traction what was that first year like so dude our our first 18 months was rough you know it took a year and 94 offers to get the first deal and then we you know had that one we bought the second one and then while we had the second property we bought number three and four as well so 
and we we lost money on number three we broke even on number four and i think we made 10 grand on deal five so in between all of that going on we had wholesaled a couple deals um and that's like literally the only way we made it through and we was me and my brother back then so we had made like 10 grand on one wholesale 20 grand on one we made like I think we had two $20,000 wholesales and a $10,000 wholesale, which was 50 G's. And that without that money, I would have never be where I'm at today. Cause um, what happened is we, so we were flipping those homes and we were going into the winter months. So I had, I had the one for half a million that we lost the 50 grand on. And then I had three others that were pretty much all done and they were listed, but they weren't selling. And then I had hard money expiring on all of them. Uh, So bro, for like the one house took like 160 days to sell. So I'm like brand new in real estate. We had a great first deal, walked away from my income stream, like sold off all my stocks and had that in credit to pay for that first deal, you know? But uh, so we were, we had four homes and it was like, I think it was November and we carried all four of those homes all winter long with hard money expiring. So I'm getting 30 day extensions on four hard money loans with four different lenders. Are you using, they charge you a point every time too? Dude, it was whatever I can negotiate, but pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like having to call up and negotiate extensions. And I didn't really, you know, like I didn't know shit about anything when I started. So like I'm learning the terms and the notes like, oh, after six months, fuck, I got to get an extension and there's fees and there's points. And then like one guy wanted us to catch up on interest. So that was gnarly, dude. Um, so <laughs> I remember being in Maui on a family trip and I was just like, fuck my life. I don't even want to be I, like I was in Maui having the worst time ever because, you know, just waiting for the phone to ring. Please get a showing. And no joke, we we were broke, dude. So I we couldn't even afford the utilities on these houses. So Salt Lake, you know, it gets cold and it's winter time. So we would have the temperature set at like 40 just so the pipes wouldn't freeze. And I swear to you, we would get a call because it'd be like one showing a week, maybe back then the market was slower. I would drive over, turn up the heat for the showing, wait for them to end the showing. And then I'd call the agent immediately, how'd it go? You know, like basically we'll do anything to get an offer and then go turn the heat back down. And I would do that every showing, negotiating hard money extensions for like four months, that whole winter, it sucked. But um that's how we got where we are like when getting through that and and making it out on the other side and surviving that like my mental threshold was so much higher so but yeah dude our first two years in real estate was all fun what was your biggest lesson in that um dude a lot of lessons in that i i think number one is um Dude, my biggest lesson through that was plan plan B is reinforcing plan A. I think a lot of people would have quit and it was really attempting to quit, but it was like, well, what am I going to do if I quit? I already walked away from my broker business that I spent four years building. Like, what else am I going to do? So really going deep and and saying plan B, like that was literally my battle cry was plan, plan B is reinforcing plan A. Like this real estate thing is what I'm doing. So I just got to fucking figure it out. Um, so that was probably the biggest lesson through it is just not quitting, but also, I mean, how you handle and deal with contractors and, and really getting comfortable with confrontation and having to have hard, hard conversations with people on firing yeah. them. And when you're calling up hard money lenders and you're new in the game and you're asking for negotiating extensions every single month with four different lenders on four different deals. 
just that entire process, there's so many lessons within it that um, put me to where I'm at today for sure. That's intense having to call four different lenders. But hey, I, I need another one. I need another one. I need another one. Yeah, man. Then on one of them. Um, so the first guy that funded our first deal, the way our first deal came together was crazy. So we, you know, we were a year in and 94 offers. So we just, so, so we met this guy at Saria named Gary. He had just sold his business and he lived in Cedar City, which is south of Salt Lake, a couple mm-hmm. hours. So my brother and I just so happened to have a meeting with this dude set when him and his wife were going to be in town. And I got a call on a Friday night like, hey, man, are you interested in this deal? The buyer bailed. I said, cool. So I showed up on Saturday, um, walked the deal. And then I went to lunch with Gary and my brother. After that, we had the meeting. I pitched him the deal and I was like, it's got to close Monday. He had never done a hard money loan. I had never done a flip. And him and his wife called us and they're like, we're going to take a chance on you guys and we're going to fund the deal. So he funded it Monday and that got us going into our first deal. And he was like my main lender for all of our first deals. So on the third deal that we had, um, I had to call this Gary guy after asking for extensions and stuff and be like, hey, Gary, here's the deal. Um, I'm not going to be able to pay you all your interest because I literally had no money. And I'm like, we're under contract. Like the appraisal came in lower. We can sell it. And I can get you all your money back and I can get you like eight grand in interest, but I, I can't like, I'm not going to be able to make you whole on the rest of the interest that we owe you. And this dude literally said, Michael, I, this is a really hard phone call for you to make. And I respect the hell, hell out of you for making the call and that's okay. And I'm going to continue to business with you. And that was a huge lesson too within itself. But, yeah. So we, I, I ended up, so he, he, had, he got his money back and he, and he made some money on the interest, but that's a tough call to make when you're new in business, you know, saying, Hey man, I can't, you know, I, I can't cover the interest that I owe you on this thing. Did you just pay him back on the next deal? Uh, no, dude. He just took, he just, he took, I think it was like six grand that he took short on his payoff. So he got all of his initial initial capital back. And then he got like eight out of the 14,000 in interest that he should have got. And he was, uh, he was, he was, he just, he just let it ride. And wow. he kept he kept funding my deals too. Uh, so the the relationship piece, you know, was that was like a big thing. Was relationships are important, and having those hard conversations are really important. Well, so how did you build? Do you build relationships with your private lenders now? Like, are you actively going out? I know at a point in time people just come to you, but after him, who else were you going to for funds and talking to and? really building all those relationships any anyone and everyone man i've networked a lot and spent a lot of time networking but um the private like one of my main private money guys that i have now um we actually found on a ksl ad that we put up like hey you know have real estate investment opportunities and this guy reached out and uh, he did a couple small loans for us and then um fast forward now i probably got a few million bucks of his at any given time and then the other relationships it's like you start with the hard money paying the points and the interest you know and and then get those relationships a little bit better to where they're 100 percent funding your purchase and then you know you start bringing on the private money guys and and trying to get down to the no points and 12 percent, no points and 10 percent. so it's just been a process um but i'd say i've got like three main investors and then if i and then our bankroll and then if i have to i'll go to like traditional hard money guys okay and you do you try and not use your own money at all costs? No, dude. I I use a ton of my own money in our deals. Really? How come? 
Um, just because I have it, you know, so between credit lines and cash, like we'll probably, so right now I've got 14 flips going. So we probably own four or five of them on our money. And then I'm okay. usually the way I'll structure it is my investor will pay, like he'll buy the house or he'll front me the money for the house and then uh -huh. I'll rehab on my own. Okay. So that's just kind of, and with my main investors that I've had for a long time, that's just kind of how we've always done it. So they would fund, you know, they would fund the whole deal if I needed uh -huh. done that before. But it's like I have the money in my credit lines and stuff for 5% instead of 12%. So and I've got the cash. So that's just kind of how I've always done it. Okay. Do you, are you using your lenders for your multifamily stuff? Are you doing value add stuff in the multifamily and you just kind of tell them, hey, here's a new opportunity? I've got one. So I've got a 40 unit value add that we're doing in Texas. And that's really my first like bigger deal like that. Yeah. And that's all bank financing. So we've got oh, the wow. bank came in and they lent, you know, I think they lent 80 or 85% of the purchase and then they lent 80 or 85% of the rehab. And then we had to fund the gap. So I've got a partner on that and we just brought the, the equity difference for the down. Oh, okay. That's dope. Yeah. Where'd you, where'd you find that deal? Um, in a mastermind group. So Tim brought his mastermind group. I was in that for a year and I met a dude there who brought the deal. And then there was another guy in our group as well who sponsored the loan and brought their banking relationship. So initially, oh. like my buddy Brian brought the deal. I brought the majority of the money. And then our other buddy, Caleb, brought uh, he was basically the loan sponsor and had the relationship with the bank. Mm -hmm. Since then, fast forward, we closed on that December 30th. And then um, over the last few months, I've kind of taken over operations and I bought my one partner out. So. Pretty much, I I have two thirds of the deal now, and I'm running and operating everything. Okay, that's dope. So trying to get it, trying to get it uh, through that stabilization process. How big of a learning curve has that been? Um, not that much of a learning. Like the biggest learning curve for me, I don't partner a whole lot, so that was a little bit of a learning curve is 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 navigating that, and then half and half of the conversation of buying a partner out and me stepping in and taking over operations because things weren't going well. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, it's, it's the same thing as flipping. It's just all in one location, you know, and then in Utah, we self-manage all of our portfolio. So dealing with a property management company and setting my expectations of how I want stuff to look and run yeah. is a little bit different than how we operate here locally, but it hasn't really, been that big of a deal it's you know it's all cosmetic value add so we're about nine to ten grand a door and we're turning all 40 of them oh wow yeah but managing you know managing rehab and all of that from utah and the deals in texas that's a little bit different you know trying to set the tone and everything not to face to face but over the phone yeah. and not being able to go you know site check and stuff and do your What's your upside on that? You're putting so what is that? I mean, that's um, yeah. We'll we'll see what the we'll see what rates and look like when we refi. But there's probably about a million to a million two in equity upside on it, and then we'll probably stabilize out at around a ten cap. So it's a oh, good wow. deal. Yeah, it's a good, good deal. deal. We've probably burned off about 150 grand though during the initial phase of of how things went and having to turn things around. So, but it's still a strong deal. Like you can't in Utah, you would never see um, a deal like that. No, dude. I I thought I wanted to invest in Utah, and you can't do anything, dude. No. How do you yeah. even buy your rentals? Did you buy them way back when? 
Yeah, I haven't bought a rental in Utah for like two years because um, the numbers just don't work, and we have so much uh, out of state money coming in. And on the mortgage side, we're see we we do a lot of loans for people. So like we had a kid come in from California. This was a few months ago. He bought a duplex close to downtown for like. I think he bought it for 620 grand for a duplex yeah. downtown and he was going to live in one side. But even when you run the numbers, like renting them both out, it would cash flow like 50 bucks a month. And, they, and he's putting 20% into it, like makes no sense at all. So he's losing money every month. Yeah. Like a lot of investors, they like to hit the whole 1% rule on cash flow. Like that's not happening in Salt Lake. Maybe if you find it off market on your own and you do, you know, value add burr. But even then, it's a tall order. All right. So where are you where are you finding most of your deals now? Because I think Utah is the hidden most competitive market in America. Yeah, I'm glad you say that, dude, because I'm part of a lot of different masterminds and stuff. And I talk with people and I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, Salt Lake is. Uh, I think I dude, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's rough. Um, so I traditionally I used to buy a lot from wholesalers and then the more that our market's gone up the way that it has those relationships that I've had have kind of, you know, not these guys take the blast it out to an email list instead of, you know, calling me first, like it used to be. Mm -hmm. I buy deals from wholesalers. Um, a lot of our deals come from agents that bring us stuff. We'll pick shit off the MLS, um, referrals, just people who know what we're doing. I've never been a good marketer. I've tried to go down that route like three times. I'm in the process of, attempt number four right now to start our own marketing and be sufficient with finding our own deal flow. So um, hopefully I can figure it out this go around and be a little more committed to actually making sure it's successful. But um, we don't source a whole lot of our own stuff. But I mean, for me, it's nice because sourcing your own stuff is a completely different business. Like you have that business and then that leads into the flipping business. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I'm really good at flipping, but I've just never been good at the marketing piece and just all the, all the shit that you got to have to be successful with it. And you can waste a lot of money really quickly, you know, if you're not, but okay. it's, it's crazy, dude. Like, um, I see all these whole, I don't even look at the wholesale emails anymore, but it's like these guys out in Utah, the wholesaler makes 30, 40, 50 G's and someone will flip the house to make five grand, six grand. It's nuts. That's wild, bro. The number, the numbers people send it out at in Salt Lake, because like we were in there trying to lock stuff up, and this is when we're in Fresno, and we were like, no, like they need to make fifteen percent at least, and yeah. we were getting outbid by 20, 30, 40 grand. Yeah, no. Um, so <clears throat> a guy out here, Jason Lewis, he's probably one of the larger wholesalers in Utah. I was talking to him a few months ago, and he said last, well, it's probably more than a few months ago, because he was saying over the last twelve months they had done. I'm just going to call it 150 deals. Right. And he was like, of those deals, we had 120 buyers. So it's like, he's like, it's not guys like you who are buying these deals. It's just one off. It's a different buyer for every deal. And um, I'm just not sure how sustainable that is, but I think it's just, you got a list of 5,000 people and you blast these deals out and somehow people are taking them down. But so unless you got, your own money and your swinging hammer yourself. They just don't, they, they don't pencil. Oh, bro. I mean, my cousin does that. Like he swings the hammer himself and I'm like, well, it's not scalable. I'm like, you do it. And like, yeah, you made 10 grand, but like, okay, big whoop. Yeah. And it took you three months or four months. So really you're making 2,500 bucks a month, three grand a month. Like, right. It's, 
it's nonsense. But I think I personally think Utah's market is isolated because it won't have the volatility of the coast and it still has a massive influx from everywhere else. So I don't even well, if everything hits the fan, it'll drop like five percent is my personal opinion. No, I agree. Um, and if you look at 2008, Utah fared a lot better than most everywhere else as well in terms of like how much the prices dropped. Yeah. But we're so diverse. Like there's so many different businesses here. You know, we're heavy in banking. We've got tons of call centers. Every major financial institution has an office here. All the credit cards have offices here. You got MLM here. We got all the tech shit going on in Silicon Slopes. We've got the Inland Port coming. So um, I agree with you. I don't think it's slowing down. And if California keeps doing what they're doing, people are going to keep coming. Most people don't realize that all the tech that's leaving Cali, they're either going to Austin, Texas or to Salt Lake. So we're yeah. picking up, not only are we picking up people coming here, but we're picking up people that are bringing that California salary of 120 to 180 grand a year. And in Utah, that's a way different type of living and lifestyle than it is in California. Your money goes farther. For now, bro. I mean, Utah's yeah. gotten expensive as hell, dude. Like expensive, yeah. expensive. Well, dude, like four so four years ago, the median price in Salt Lake County was like 285. And I just saw the stats came out from the border realtors the other day. It's like 510 right now is the median price in Salt Lake County. It's almost doubled in four years, four and a half years. Yeah, it doesn't um it doesn't make any sense. I, the wholesale thing, like what Jason said. It's never the same buyers, and it's always a random Joe Schmo is going to come by, and they're yeah. not going to make any money, or it's yeah. just out of country money, if anything, because it's such a bad deal. Dude, I had two deals um, over this last year. I had a couple of deals that I just they were not good deals. One of them I got tied up on the city and stop work orders, and then we got caught working on a stop work order, and shit just went bad with the city. And I had I had those guys send it out, and I couldn't believe what they were able to sell it for with a stop work order in place. And then I had another one in Ogden that I bought. Um, I had this kid FaceTime me while he was up there because Ogden's about an hour north. And it was like, I need a decision quick. So he FaceTimes me and I thought it was all good. And then um, we ended up like closing on it. And I went up there and met my guys and dude, the floors were like a fucking roller coaster. And the exterior, one of the exterior walls is like this. I'm like, bro, how did you not point that out to me? So I was just like, I don't even, I didn't even, I was just like, I called up one of the, the wholesale guys. I was like, yo, will you send this out for me? And what they were able to sell it for blew my mind. I was like, I'll believe it when it closes. And sure enough, closed. So I was able to get out of the deal. I just wanted out. I got out and made like five grand. And I think they made another like 17 on top of that. It's crazy. Oh, shit. That's but yeah, man, uh, Utah's definitely, definitely a hot market for sure. All right, let's talk about your uh, mortgage business. How long have you been that? So I've been doing loans since um, 2015. So I started um, kind of in a call center setup. So we were, I was like, I got licensed in, I was licensed in 40 states at one point. We were doing VA streamlined refinances. So the owner of the company, he was spending like half a million a month in marketing. So he'd send out these deceptive mailers saying, you know, is your rate over? 1.75%. And then the phone would just ring. So, you know, we'd be on the guys answering the phone and then um, knew a little, just a little about mortgages, but really good at sales. And um, so I started doing that. We'd be closing 20, 25 loans a month, doing really well with that. 
And then um, as rates started to go back up and the refi model went away, I left there and went to um, a different mortgage company, working their portfolio. So doing some self-generated business, but still kind of working inside sales type shit. And then um, transitioned over to doing purchase loans and generating, you know, self-gen our own business. And then me and my brother opened our mortgage company at the beginning of this year, late last year. So we've had our our company for about a year now. What's the biggest difference between that and the flipping company? Um, it's entirely different, man. So on the mortgage company, it's me and my brother are partners. I kind of bring the business in and I'm trying to get, you know, agents sending us their business. And now that we've got our shit together, we're starting to go into recruiting mode. Mm -hmm. So I do all the front end and then I'm pretty hands off after that. You know, my brother and our processor and loan officer assistant close the business. Um, the flipping business is all me. I, I do everything there. I don't have partners on it. I've got an assistant and a project manager and that's pretty much it. So I probably spend 70% of my time in the investing, finding the deals, dealing with the money, dealing with the con, you know, just all of it start to finish. But the mortgage business, um, we're really serious about scaling that because um, one, it's really profitable. But secondly, like you can sell that, you know, like I can yeah. have a business that I can actually sell versus a flipping business. <clears throat> it's just always the next deal, you know, and I can't oh, really well, sell. Okay. Like, hey. Oh, did I lose you, bro? They are. No, I'm here. Yeah. Um. So with that mortgage business, so when did you start thinking of like, all right, I need to build a company that I can actually sell instead of just going to the next deal, the next deal, the next deal? I think the more, the more that I've progressed in business and, and spending time around these masterminds, you know, like being in Tim's group or Arte or the DM fam and just seeing different guys doing different things and realizing <clears throat> that all I have is a high paying job. You know, we make great money and it's awesome, but it's always the next deal, the next deal, the next deal. And I, I'm to a point now to where I like to travel and I can go out of I can go out of town for a week or two weeks and not really skip a beat. Um, but the reality is, is like it's always the next deal and there's no equitable value um, in a home flipping business because it's always the next deal and it's relies on me. So really looking at that long term and just kind of burning out a little bit on flipping houses too. Like I don't want to be 45 doing what I'm doing right now. So uh, over the last few years, it's been that realization, you know, and wanting to focus a little bit more on the cash flow. But it's hard to make that transition because you make this good money that we do flipping houses, you know, so it's keeping that going and getting it more systematized and having, you know, I got an awesome assistant and project manager and you know, hopefully we can get this marketing thing figured out so I can just kind of have that somewhat on autopilot and then really focus on scaling out our real estate brokerage and our mortgage company. And then I'm taking the money that we're making in the flips and I'm buying cash flowing assets. We just purchased 20% ownership in like a medical spa that does all the fit Botox and all that different shit here in Salt Lake. Um, and just starting to, you know, put my money other places that are making more passive income. Oh, bro, without a doubt. Well, I mean, bro, you're making crazy good money with only an assistant and a project manager. And what's going on, Michael Butler? My main man. Yeah. Did I run it lean, bro? Um, I think because it was such a hard go and then just growing up in, in the family owned atmosphere that I did, I just, you know, like a, 
I value a dollar pretty tight and I've just, and I've been a control freak, you know, getting here too. So it's been, it's been hard for me to get into a position where I have people around me that I trust that I can kind of let things go, you know, cause I used to rather work 18, 20 hours a day than hire someone and train them and trust them and, and honestly just let go, you know, and not be as addicted to the chaos that I used to be. Um, so the, the more that I've kind of been doing a lot of self-work, spiritual stuff the last couple of years and and kind of seeing my faults and and that I could operate so much more efficiently and more in a calm environment and space, that's helped me grow a ton too. Oh, bro, without a doubt. And you're only, you're really only one step away from having that flipping business on autopilot. Yeah, dude, it's, it's getting close. I, th I think the biggest challenge with that business is always the contractors is, is the biggest moving piece. Yeah. But once we get the marketing figured out, um, like we're usually doing 12 to 15 deals at a time all the time. I think right mm -hmm. now it's 14, but I think I could get it up to 20 pretty easily and handle that volume plus cherry pick deals a little better, you know, not be doing deals that there's deals that we do now that are, you know, they're on the fence, like I could do them or not do them, you know, but I probably, I do them just because why not? So where are you finding your contractors? Um, a lot of my guys have worked with me for a while. You know, I'm really heavy on investing in the relationships and, um, just taking care of my guys. So when I get good guys and it works, I always make sure they have work and they always have money when they need it. And I just take care of them. Um, but, for finding new contractors i'm just all over i start with re asking referrals in the network but you know very few people like to give their guys away right like when people call me for contacts i'm like my crews do that you know and no you can't use them um but starting with referrals i've been picking guys off of facebook too and then another thing that i do is i talk to my suppliers like guys that like my flooring guy or different suppliers and i'm like i'll ask them like hey because they're seeing everyone's shit, you know? So I'm asking them like, hey, do you know any contractors that would be a good fit for what I'm doing? And I get a lot of referrals that way. Plus it's nice too, because if I've got my window guy or my flooring guy or whoever that I like and I trust and I've worked with for a long time, you know, it's just, a, it's a more valid resource or referral when they're telling me, you know, different people I could reach out to, or they'll make connections for me. Like, Hey, you know, Mike meet Jose and he'll kind of like be a mutual, a mutual vouching for both of us. And that really helps as well on the other end. Cause it's, you know, they don't know who I am or so mm -hmm. when you can kind of have that mutual introduction, it helps. Uh, what has been your biggest mindset shift around money in the last four years? My biggest mindset shift about money. Um, I think when you're setting a goal for money, um, you know, like I think the first goal everyone sets is a hundred grand. You know, I want to make a hundred grand. And when you haven't made a hundred grand, it's such a big number and it doesn't seem possible. You're like, how the fuck am I going to do that? You know, and then you do it. And then it's like, I do in a month now what I used to want to do in a whole year. And so as I've, as I've continued to progress, what I've realized with money is um, one, I can flow it to me. If I, you know, a, a lot of it is a, is a thinking it's possible, but also setting a new standard is just like, Hey, this is what we generate per month. Like this is our new standard. And then 
you know, you might not hit it for a little while, but then you hit it once and it's like, okay, this is real. And then it just, you hit it again and again. And I think it's, for me, it's, um, I think we get in our own way with doubting that it could be real with being able to make the next level of money. You know, you have to be doing, you have to be doing the work and finding the deals and doing all that shit too. But I, I really think we get in our own way of thinking what's possible more than, more than actually making the money is hard. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I was talking the other day, same thing. I was like, I remember struggling to even eat and get money for food to where now yeah. it's just like, I think a little bit harder and more money comes. Yeah. Right? Or like, it's just a different, I know no matter what, I'll never be broke again. It's like, it's two completely different mindsets to where like I can go create something or go think of something and I make money as to where beforehand, bro, like a hundred thousand dollars a year, I thought it was gonna be filthy rich. And that was a push. Then you make it and you realize it ain't shit. It ain't shit. It ain't the more, shit. more I make, the more I realize how small it is. Another thing too, though, when it comes to, you know, there's a mindset of money, but I think it's really important to put yourself around where money is happening. So like joining a mastermind group or hanging around like the environment that you're in, if it's a normal thing for guys to be making half a million or a million bucks a year and that's just normal that's what it is and you're you're you're, you're hanging out and being in that environment then it it becomes more real and i think the more that you accept that it's a reality that's when it will actually start happening i mean obviously you have to be doing the work and and growing your skills and all of that shit too but um the more that I invest in my and that investing in yourself too, like the more that I invest in myself, not only time but money. Like I remember when I joined Arte Syndicate a few years ago, it was sixty-five G's one-time payment or six grand a month, which is seventy-two thousand dollars a year. And um, the first year I applied for it, I got accepted, and then I saw the price tag and I pushed out. No I way, I couldn't do it. And um, then I went to they so I they had like a live event an Arte live in St. Louis and it was open to the public. And I went to that event and the, it was a great two day event, but the whole time I was pissed and I'm like, I've, I've been fucking missing out on this level of shit for a year because I didn't have the balls to just man up and write a fucking check, you know, or put it on a credit card. So then when they opened up applications for the next year for Arte syndicate, um, I applied and I didn't think they were going to let me in because I didn't do it the first year. And then they accepted me again. So there I was again in the same position, except it was more expensive that time. It, that was the $65,000 one-time payment or six grand a month. And I sat there, dude, for probably 20 minutes and I had to grab my fucking balls and swipe the card, dude, and did it. So I went the $6,000 a month route and that was in 2000. That would have been 2018, I think, 19, yeah, 2018. And that was a huge, huge, huge stretch for me at the time. And um, it's the best investment I've ever made because it put me, like when I did that, like, I mean, it wasn't immediately, but it, it, being willing to put down that kind of money and invest in myself, it uh, it's, like a, it's like a law of energy, man, and attraction. Like it was like, okay, um, it was like giving myself permission in, in its own way, but doing that and then joining other masterminds and being in environments around high caliber people, if you're hanging around people and you're meeting quarterly or whatever it is, and you know, you don't want to feel like a little bitch in the room, you know what I mean? Like, so I was trying to be like the little guy in the room. So I'm constantly leveling up, but also when you're in these mastermind groups, 
if everyone's talking about their stuff, you know, you're going over your game plan or you're talking about your challenges and then you come up with a game plan or whatever. And then you come to the next meeting and you're talking about your same bullshit because you didn't take action or do anything. And everyone else like did, you feel like a little bitch, right? Uh, and I'm not alive too. If it's a good mastermind, they'll call you out. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not, I'm not going to be a little bitch, dude. I'm just not going to allow myself to be seen that way. So, um, that pulls you up, you know, whether you want to or not. So that's helped me a ton in, in the whole money thing, you know, because when you're around it, it becomes more real. So like, for me, it's like, you have your goals that seem like they're so far out, out here, but then when you get around people that are up at that level and higher, it brings them closer because you're seeing other people do it. And then you're realizing he's just a normal fucking dude. This guy's not smarter than me. He's not, it's a goofy motherfucker right here is making two and a half million dollars a year. I can definitely do it. And that's how I've, I've gotten to where I'm continuing to, to get and go. Dean Rogers says fire. And Gerald says the Lou out in Missouri. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it's proximity. Number one of like actually seeing someone, like you said, and like, Oh, what this dude makes this much money is a fucking goob. Like he's just some goober and he's killing it. He's, you know, he's not smarter than you and it's no offense to him, but like, he's a regular guy who's just paid for me personally, he believed in himself more, invested in himself earlier than he got somewhere to stretch him more. A dude invested in himself earlier and believed in himself more. That's that's like yeah, everybody should write that down. 100%. <laughs> it is wild. And so after that, how when did you like actively start investing as much as possible? In um, invest. Oh, in myself. Yeah, dude. I mean, so. When I was doing that inside sales job selling plants, um, one of there was this guy there named Ken, and he was kind of like my mentor when I started there with just showing me the ropes and stuff. And then he, this dude, I don't know what he saw in me because I didn't see it in me, but this guy just poured into me and poured into me. And he got me, um, I think it was uh, Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude. He bought me that book. And I remember one day I rolled into the office and I had like a cubicle and on the outside of my cubicle, he had printed 2 million, like the number 2 million and put it on there. And I was all, what's this? And he's like, you're going to fucking, you're going to sell $2 million this year. And like my quota was like 1.2, you know, and like, it seemed like this huge ass number. I'm like, dude, I have to sell like 400,000 a month or 300,000 a month, whatever it was to hit that number. Um, so that's really when kind of law of attraction and like self-development really set in for me. I read that book and then just, you know, and also the power of writing something down and seeing it every day. Cause I was seeing that $2 million every single day. And then I sold like 2.1 or 2.2 that year. And I was like 20 years old. <laughs> no one had done that before. So that really kind of like opened my eyes to the self-development thing. So I was always reading books and doing shit like that. And then, when I started doing the real estate stuff, I would go to Slaria here, like the Salt Lake Real Estate Investor Association. Yeah. And I was learning stuff there. Um, and I'd spend like a hundred bucks to go to a seminar or whatever. But I think the first like big conference I went to where I spent like a grand, I think it was a 10X conference. The first one that Grant Cardone did. And that was like okay. in 2017, I think. 16 or 17 in Miami. And I think I spent like two grand on a ticket to go to that. And then um, from there forward, I just kind of got addicted to that whole, you know, almost a little too much, like just wanting to go to all the conferences and 
different things. And then I started Arate was the first like mastermind that I paid money to. And then since then I've done Tim's group and I'm in Mark's group right now, which is like 35 grand a year. So, um, yeah, man. So the last four years I've really started spending serious money on myself. I mean, over this last year, I've been following you, bro. You travel a lot to go to these different events. Like yeah. You were just at one like a couple weeks ago out in L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Albert Preciado's driven event. And I paid Albert to coach me one-on-one. -on -one. He's um, So if you guys don't know Albert, he owns the mortgage guys in Cali and then Ambiance Realty. But that guy's blowing up. Um, when I, I met him for the first time at that first 10X conference, and he was just a loan officer at the time. And then since then, he's, I mean, it's crazy what those guys are doing out there. So I paid him for one-on-one -on -one coaching because he's got a similar business with the real estate and the mortgage company. And then him and his wife run that. My wife's involved with my business. So that's helped me out quite a bit. Um, but just being around people who are doing what you want to do uh, is, I think, the quickest way to get where you want to go. So coaching and masterminds is really the only way to do that. And anyone who's on a high level, they're not, they don't give a fuck about like, I want to take you to lunch. Like no one cares about a $15 free lunch. So worst thing you could do is, Hey man, can I take you to lunch and pick your brain? Like it's annoying. Like that's, so don't approach people with that. would be some advice. I always tell people like, you got to bring them like a deal or bring them value. Cause like you buying me lunch, I'm getting, I'm getting better at it just to give back more and this will be my way of giving back just taking out people to lunch or whatever and talking to them but when yeah. you are approaching someone like that remember if they're made, like you're probably costing them a thousand dollars just by taking you going to lunch with them and you buying their lunch yeah <clears throat> like legitimately like for these higher level achievers so there's this i got a story for that so in in arte um they kind of had two levels to it the syndicate which is what i was in it's 120 of us large price ticket but then they had the arte accelerator which was like basically you just got three calls a month with andy or ed on zoom but they didn't go to like they weren't in like going to the exclusive summits and stuff but there was this dude that lives in ogden and i had met him at one of the live events and he followed me online or whatever i'm not sure how he got in touch with me but um he had been following me for like several months and I get a call out of nowhere one day and it's like, Hey man, you don't really know me, but my name is John. Um, I'm an Arte. I follow you. He's like, dude, I've been, I've been wanting to reach out to you, but I didn't want to reach out to you until I had like something of value for you. He's like, so I think I have a deal for you. So I wanted to call you. And I was like, dude, awesome, bro. And this, this fucking guy lined me up with a deal that we ended up, I bought it and was going to flip it. And then I ended up wholesaling it. And I think we made like 15 grand on it. And that's how he approached me was literally with a deal. And, and now I, like I go out of my way with this guy, we've built a relationship, but if I'm driving up to Ogden, I'll hit him up. Hey dude, I'm going to be in town. If you want to come check out my houses and you know, if he wants to come to like, basically he's got an open door to me anytime for anything. And we've built an awesome relationship and it started with him coming from that perspective. And because he did that and people don't do that, it catches your attention, you know? So it's like, you want to help them. Oh yeah. You and I mean, and it just shows that the person's taking action and like they're bought in because I think the worst yeah. part is so many people want so much of your time, but then you're going to give them your time. They won't do anything with it. Yeah. I would give my time to everybody if everybody did something with my time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hardest part. So we got your portfolio, the mortgage company. I'm trying to think if I'm missing anything, bro. We got the real estate brokerage too. And the brokerage. Um, yeah. So lifestyle lending and lifestyle realty. Um, 
So the the mortgage or the real estate brokerage we opened earlier this year is kind of at the same time with with the mortgage company. Um, so we're saving a ton of money doing running everything through our own our own deal, but also it's nice to be the broker. So mm -hmm. with the volume we're doing, because we have our retail business too, plus our flips. So just when you're doing that many transactions, you start to have problems with other agents and shit just happens. And then, you know, you got to get your broker involved or someone's calling your broker. So I was just done doing that bullshit. I wanted to be able to call up as the guy, you know. So I, I got that um, primarily for us, but it's like I'm building this lifestyle brand and doing what we're doing. So now we're recruiting agents and we got agents coming over. So it's it's cool. But it's um, the flipping and the and the mortgage is definitely like what I'm focused on. We do some, we do probably I don't know a few few retail transactions a month just with our clients, and then we've got a yeah. few agents who have come over. Is your brokerage with EXP or real, or is it something? No, else? It's, it's mine, Lifestyle Realty. <clears throat> okay, man, I, that's all I got for you, bro. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. What would you leave everybody with that be parting words that's going to help them out? You can build a lifestyle or you can live a bullshit life, but you can't do both. Okay, that's fire. It all starts with personal accountability, though. You know, like you can you can do and be anything you want to be, but like writing it down and taking the action is is the difference. And starting at the beginning of the conversation, like plan B is reinforcing plan A. You know, that's that's what I live by. Like this is what I'm doing and whatever it takes is what I'm going to do. Thank you, Mr. Tehachapi. Where can people find out more about you? Um, I'm pretty active on social media. Uh, on Instagram, I'm at michael.burns. I think it's on my handle there. <clears throat> Facebook, I'm Mr. Michael Burns. And then I've got my podcast drop in. They're mixing the first four episodes right now. So it should be coming out in a couple of weeks. But that's going to be the Freedom Lifestyle Experience. And I'm gonna What's be it going to be centered around? Huh? What's it going to be centered around? Real estate, business? around lifestyle man um so really you know we'll talk about real estate and, and finance and money and stuff too but like i'm really passionate about this lifestyle message and this taking personal accountability for your life and you know not being a victim like i think today's world and our system it's not set up for it, it's just not set up to encourage you to go do and be whatever you want to do you know it's very mm -hmm. much set up to like you go to school you get a job you you fit into the corporate wheel and you just fit into this little box that um society sets up and i'm saying fuck that you don't have to do that like go build a lifestyle whatever that looks like for you it's different for everybody but um until you're willing to take personal accountability for your own shit like you're not going to be able to do that bro i love it and maddie g says let's go what's going on matt what's up garabedian well, thank you so much. He's Mr. NFT crypto expert. Bro, he's the crypto man. I send him, I send him texts without bringing him value, asking him questions about my crypto buys. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, bro. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you guys want to reach out to him again, his Instagram handle is michael.burns. Thank you guys so much. Cool, bro. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Winning Move Podcast. I hope it helps you make all the right moves in your life and business. Please make sure to go like and subscribe on any podcast platform that you're listening to. And make sure to go follow me on Instagram at Strat Daddy. Thank you guys so much. I'll talk to you soon.